0: Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level, but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to the Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. All right, guys, if you're watching this on video, I'm looking a little rough because I've just finished um, recording the episode in tears because my next guest is an absolute Icon, and she has been in the industry for over 50 years. She has a list of accolades as long as my arm. And if you know me, I've got really long arms. (laughs) And she is known for capturing not only the mind of her students, but the heart of them. And I feel such a privilege and such an honor that I feel like I can call her a friend, but not only now a guest on my platform. And I have the one and only Sharon Blaine on today. So she just left me with some beautiful words and I always record the intro after I record the episode. So I'm all choked up and flabbergasted. (laughs) I just am so grateful for these moments and something that we spoke about is that not only are these incredible moments for us to capture on video and audio for our industry and for the generations to come, but for her family and I think it got me all choked up because those are the things that I've tried to do with my grandparents if anybody knows me my grandpa and my granny have always been my life and I um have spent time recording them for exactly that I've always been a little bit of head of it's sometimes sad but I do always think about when they're gone and what it will be like so not that that's Sharon in any way but her saying that these conversations are her legacy and it was really um it was really touching for me to be able to do this. And I feel so grateful. So not only did we talk about all this kind of stuff, but her whole journey and something I talk about often is we see everybody's highlight reel, I think, when we're on Instagram and um, not their literal highlights, but basically their grid. And you don't realize when you see Sharon, you she's known for her education and her photo shoots and collections, but actually there's a whole backstory of how did Sharon Blaine get into the industry? Did she always want to be a hairdresser? Was there something else she wanted to be? So we we start at the beginning and work our way through her salon ownership, Um, how she went from three salons to one and how that was a better decision for her and how she felt like that was what she wanted. And I've just caught a glimpse of my nails in the audio, guys. We are in lockdown and I'm missing about six nails. (laughs) So don't judge if you're watching because you know it's not actually my fault and I don't want to pick the other ones off. (laughs) Um, But Sharon, something that I found so... eye-opening I guess was through lockdown last year and you know 2020 and all of that I've been lucky to have some really great conversations with her and we spoke about how she was getting all her education dvds or whatever they are I guess they're they're not dvds anymore I'm showing my age too but translated into different languages and I was like oh my god like this lady, she's up at, you know, sometimes we're having phone calls at 9 p.m. and she's been doing hair education all day. She just doesn't stop. And I'm always in awe of her continually going on and all the things she's doing. And then her most recent collection was this animated graphic design concept that she had the way she made the hair pieces and didn't use any models or anything. And I think sometimes what we hear about her, um, is that she's been in here for so long. And I thought, how is she going to be relevant all the time and not not be dated in what she does? And I think that this conversation shows exactly that, you know, that she is so innovative and progressive in what she's doing and advancing her education to be online, which everybody did, but she actually had done it before, like years before. So she was ahead of the curve with where we've been. So- I mean, I could talk about her forever, but I think you'd probably rather listen to her than me. So, um, this is an episode that you should not, would not want to miss. And while I guess I'm rambling, I'm just going to say the most important thing for a podcast and trying to get this platform out is leaving the Apple iTunes review. So, whether you're listening on Spotify or YouTube or wherever you're listening, If you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy this conversation, even if you don't, I guess, whatever it may be, if you head over to iTunes, that's the only place you can leave the reviews, I guess, as well as YouTube and write down your thoughts and give us a little, a thumbs up would mean the world. And it really helps to get the platform out in those spaces. So without further ado, um, myself and the one and only the icon, Sharon Blaine. Okay, today is a really big day I felt like if I were ever to play a musical instrument or a a trumpet or something you would be the person I'd be playing it for to welcome you in like the, the queen that you are so I have my friend Sharon Blaine on today. How are you. I'm well and thank you so much for having me it's such an honor. Oh my gosh the honor is all mine. Um, yeah, I've actually, it's funny because I, I do speak with you often enough that I was waiting for the prime opportunity to ask you to come on. And I think the fact that we're both got a little more time on our hands than usual or not, because I know we're both doers in that aspect, but I thought who better to have on to promote this message that I'm trying to get out to the new generation and who better to have on than you with all the experience that you have.
1: Thank you. And
0: I'm, yeah, lucky for lockdown, huh? I (laughs) I don't know. Many people would say that, but lucky, lucky lockdown I'll go with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how I like to start, I have a bunch of questions for you and things that I've thought of while I was, you know, digging up what I would want to talk about with you. But I think the the main thing, and I think because you've been in the industry such a long time, People see you now, right, in this education platform and all of these things, but don't realize there's a really long backstory and journey of your time in the industry and how you got in to this industry. So I would love to know if you always wanted to be a
1: hairdresser. Yeah, I absolutely did, Crystal. I think, oh, wow. I think when I was setting my next-door neighbor's hair at around 11 years of age in rollers, a very old lady, <laughs> and I did that every Saturday afternoon. I used to go in next door and try to put these rollers in her hair and brush it out, um, and it made her feel so damn good. She was a beautiful lady. She was basically confined to home. She was in her early 80s, and um, she was our next-door neighbour, and I, I used to go in and clean her house as well. I just loved her and her husband so much and I used to go shopping for them and it was just one of the things I just adored them it was heartbreaking when they both passed away but she was the one believe it or not that made me think I can't believe that I could take someone from feeling sad but then when you brushed her hair out and I showed her the mirror the, the look on her face was just so heartwarming. And her husband, George, would say, oh, you look so beautiful, Mary. And I used to think, oh, my God, if I could do this every day of the week, like I would do this every day of the week. So, you know, that's sort of when I kicked off as really wanting to do hair. And I was obsessed by the smells of salons, you know, and it was so nuts. (laughs) Perming was such a big thing. And I would hop on my push bike and I would ride down to the main street and I would just sit with an ice block outside this one particular salon that obviously did nothing but perming and sit there and virtually eat my ice block and sniff the perm smell. Uh, you know, I thought it was just so fantastic. Oh so my I actually started my career at 14 and a half. I didn't even want to stay at school. I was super young oh um, when I first got my job and that's you know the rest is history of course.
0: Oh my god what a beautiful story that's I love that so much I yeah crazy. that reminds me of my granny's hair my granny had like the blonde the classic blonde like round cotton ball hair you know
1: like yes she'd of course
0: a, like you know a high lift with her blue eyeshadow and her rollers in every week she would go every Friday and get
1: her hair done with Piero at 12 o'clock <laughs> like it was and do you know what I think those clients was, was are so underestimated oh totally. you know we forget that you know uh when my salon was at its height I would start on Friday morning at 8 30 and I would go right through till 5 30 and in my chair every half an hour was my Friday blow dry oh, and they were your bread and butter they were the ones that guaranteed you pay the rent and the wages every week yeah. And I, we underestimate how important it is to have a client base so loyal to you mm-hmm. that you never have to worry about what sort of a week we're going to have. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we have that as much anymore. There's probably a few mature hairdressers out there that maybe still have those loyal weekly clients. Um, you know, I know when I was in the cellar, and I would, sadly enough, a lot of them died and I was going to their mm-hmm. funerals more at the end. But, you know, they were your bread and butter and they're just such important people to nurture and, you know, have in your business. And even today, those sort of clients, they guarantee your success. They guarantee the money in the till and they guarantee your mortgage and your food on the table.
0: You're so right. I think a lot of times, especially as the newer generation of a hairdresser and specializing in color, you focus all your attention and all your Um, marketing and Instagram at the younger demographic, who's getting a bag Mm. who's getting their hair
1: done every six months. And the that's the problem. Exactly. The And you're going to fill that gap in from one visit to the next. You've got to have enough clients to carry you from, you know, one to three months or one to five, six months. That's a lot of people you need in your chair every single day to fill that gap in. Um, You know, it got to a point where in my large salon, when we had a lot of massive team there, you know, we did. I personally closed my books down. I couldn't take anyone. And, you know, that happened with a lot of my top, top people. We couldn't give, we would not give a new client to them because they had to manage their clients. But the repetition of clients was a four, maybe for a retouch, five maximum, six. Yeah, that's like draw, drawing out the service. Oh, wow. So, you know, those days, the most you would have to fill in was six weeks at a maximum to keep yourself fully occupied oh, yeah. and, and fully bus, uh, booked. Now it's very, very different. And, you know, while we think it's great to be able to do this relaxed colour where, you know, roots are okay, what we're doing is probably sabotaging our business possibilities um, by community. not having them commit to you as much. Because yeah. if they miss that six-month appointment, you mightn't see them for 12. Yeah, and you absolutely. can't call them clients. They're not, that's a, not a loyal client. You know, it's that one that continues. I always sort of took about five visits for you to say, I actually have a loyal client. Yeah. And they never underestimate the fact that they've been to you five times because you've also got to think about, well, they are here now. What are we going to do to keep them? Yeah, totally right. I
0: think that was Mm. a big eye-opener for me in um, the previous salon that I was working at. We did sit down and go through those um, numbers and to actually see the difference of being somebody who has their clients, yeah, on a six-week, eight-week, ten-week, and then into like monthly, six-month schedule of how many clients I would actually need as someone who's only doing big color corrections kind of. And that, that kind of work is not sustainable on my body either. Like having those mm. massive clients all day, your brain, I, I, your brain, you underestimate the brain power of it too. That like, sometimes you do exactly. just need those classic foils or the retouch client or exactly
1: what you said, the, the blow wave client that I, I'm in the pressure on you when you have to actually achieve an outcome, which probably in the back of your mind is you're questioning whether you can even do that. Mentally, it is outrageous. It's so hard. It shouldn't be that difficult for you. And I think that's one of the things people are putting, you know, blonde specialists. Oh, my God, I would never want to be known as a blonde specialist because that is just the hardest gig to have to, you know, stand up and, and do You know, blonde is always hard, you know, keeping the hair on the head to start with, (laughs) making sure it holds, making sure you get the lift, making sure that, it, you know, you're not sabotaging the quality, Mm. making sure the outcome is right, making sure the stripes are just in the right spots. You know, my God, no wonder people don't stay in our industry, the pressure that they put on themselves when they get to be an expert in certain categories makes it you know unachievable and and really hard to maintain
0: yeah and do you think that's a large part of maybe what is happening within the industry is that um it's a conversation I've had many times being like because I've worked in big salons and I've been so fortunate that that's where I started my journey was in these like really high-end salons the people who are not in those you forget until kind of for me it wasn't until I started doing education and going into smaller salons and being like oh my gosh, like the caliber of work that we're doing all day, every day is not the norm everywhere. And do you no. think that, that what that's what makes those hairdressers say in the salon that maybe isn't doing the root stretches and the melts and the tip outs and all these elaborate color and styling settings makes them feel discouraged because it's
1: too I overwhelming? I think one of the biggest problems and it was really quite interesting from Trevor Sorby Uh, I listened to a great interview with him last night. And one of the things he was saying, he said, you know, that first client on the day, he said, if it isn't meeting your expectations and the outcome isn't right and the client is not appearing to be totally happy, he said, you may as well cancel every client for the whole day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you are totally demoralised and it's virtually impossible to pick yourself up and be who you need to be for the next person moving forward. So, you know, when you live with that degree of anxiety while you're waiting for that college process, you know, it is, it is, it, it, it shouldn't be like that. But sadly enough, we put that on ourselves. We try to give them something that isn't always achievable.
0: Yeah,
1: And, you know, and then we're putting that. And then at the end of the day, you you charge minimal for that, and you wonder why I'm not just doing another job. And that's when people start saying, Well, oh maybe I should go and do something else because it's just too much pressure. But who's putting the pressure on who? I guess that's the question.
0: Yeah, so interesting. Such a good point. Well, I'd like to go back a little bit. We talked yes, about how you do that. <laughs> I like to go in order. <laughs> I'm a little bit pedantic in, in that way. <laughs> don't go in order i'm gonna end up at your hot career highlight before i even got to how you got into this industry so (laughs) so how did you go about getting into a salon was there somewhere that you had your eye on or how did you start kind of working your way up into being in these notable kind of places
1: uh look i started in a country town um you know i was when I was applying for my first position, I recall 30 people standing outside the door of the salon with our resumes in our hands, waiting for our time to be interviewed.
0: Oh my, because That's the salon it,
1: was so hot and everybody wanted it? No, it was the only apprenticeship being offered in the country town at the time. Oh,
0: wow. And that many people wanted to be a hairdresser. Yeah.
1: So this is the days that you're, this is what happened well back. We could only dream of that today. And I never got that job. I never got that job because I wasn't tall enough (laughs) and I was left-handed. So go figure that one out. Oh my. So they wouldn't have even known where to begin. So That's what they told me that I wasn't good at. I was too short and I was left-handed and then they couldn't train anyone who was left-handed. Oh, So virtually the job, the first job I got was through somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. Wow, And that's how I got that position. So it wasn't an advertised position. It was in a very small little salon. It was just the most basic, basic salon. that just had weekly people. And I spent my whole time washing towels, uh, scrubbing, scrubbing hair, doing everything that you do. Um, I actually got sacked from my first job. Oh, my God, why? Because that boss said I was never going to make a hairdresser. Oh, well, look at him. Look at me now. She thought that it might be better to let me off easy now because she could never see that I would ever make a proper hairdresser. So she's been my motivation throughout my whole life. I recall her name probably on a monthly basis. She was the person that's pushed me to where Mm -hmm. I am today. She probably doesn't know that. I don't even know she's alive now. Um, So then I got another job through another friend um, in another salon and then things went from better from there. Uh But yeah, I must say I did work. I was a bit of a gypsy in my earlier days. I got married very early. So I was married at 19. Really? Yeah. So, you know, those are how things happened in those days. I had my first child at 23. I didn't finish my apprenticeship, which invariably ended up taking me seven years to finish because of my, me going from one salon to the other, getting married, having babies, moving away into another yeah. towns, uh, yeah, I sat my final hairdressing exam, which is what we had to do then, with a test person testing me. Um, and after seven years, oh, and he, goodness. I think he took pity on me because I was about to have my first child, uh, you know, and it was I was it was a you know heatwave day. It was really hot in a salon without air conditioning. I think he just took me, gave me my license because he could. Um, but then I realized that it wasn't good enough not to be competent. Um, yeah. And this is when I was still working in the country. I decided that I would buy my own salon for whatever reason. I don't know. <laughs> <Bought> <laughs> <a salon laughs> and my dad loaned me about $3,000 for that. And my dad was a hard worker. I'm one of seven children. Oh, wow. He actually took a second mortgage on our little shack, which is not a house. It was just a very humble <laughs> humbled home and he took that mortgage out so I could buy this salon and that was the day that I went to university of hair oh, wow. because everything that could go wrong on that purchase went wrong on that purchase needless to say the things I learned through owning a business has been the most valuable learning uh, things I've learned is what sort of um, hot water system to put in. Um, uh, always do a stock count before you uh, get the keys and hand get handed over. Because when I walked into that business, the business that I saw, I thought I was buying, was totally fleeced when I went into it. There was no rollers, there was no products, there was absolutely nothing. Um, this woman never gave me an inventory. I didn't know I needed an inventory. I just paid her the money. She gave me the keys. And when I went there, I had no business. I remember my very first salon. I think uh, in that very first Saturday on that day, we made $35. And I thought I was on the road. But I realized that I had bought an absolute dump and (laughs) everything was so bad. So, you know, we just started to uh, try and do a little bit of a makeover on it. So we painted it. We tried to smarten it up, my husband and I. We finally got some um, products. I realized that I needed to make a loud noise um, in this salon because there was a lot of salons in the area. And this was like the most rundown salon that you could ever have. Oh my God. And um, I ended up deciding to cut, get more education. So I came to Sydney and started doing cutting courses, went back, started promoting the, that I've been to Sydney, started to build a clientele. And crazily enough, that little salon that had one third year and one part-time senior, and the third year, I must say, I got rid of quite quickly, ended up to be a staff of 20 in a country town of just right? 10,000 people. That was the population of that town. Oh, my God. Um, we were absolutely powering down there. I had my own TV show.
0: Wow! Um, we
1: did, well, um, It they had a local channel. And I decided that I would approach the local TV and see if I could do like a hair um, segment. So I did a, I think it was a five minute show every, every single Wednesday for three years. I paid them $50 for my segment. And I jumped on there and pretty much did whatever I needed to do. Whether I had some models showing them what sort of color we were doing, whether, well, we got an ear piercing gun. So we showed them how we were piercing ears. Um, I showed them how to use a hot brush. I remember selling something like 130 hot brushes within a week. Oh, my God. It was Um, like your own shopping channel. It was like a shopping channel. I remember one Christmas we donated all the day's takings to a charity and we had the local radio station broadcast from our foyer in the the actual um, hairdressing salon. And people came in and had their hair done and all the money was donated to charity. And that night, believe it or not, we had a big fashion show. We had the whole main street shut down. We had a great big truck out the front and people, uh, the models paraded on the truck and everybody sat in the main street watching this big fashion show. So we made a big noise. We did really, really well. This was a country town called Griffith in the Riverina. And then after ten years, I sold that for I think about eighty-five thousand. I think I could have got a lot more money. I think it lasted eighteen months, and the girl in it lost everybody and lost all her money uh, mm. because she thought she could just go on and trade like I did. But you know what? It takes a person to drive a business totally, in the and vision. that's something Your I've idea. always been.
0: Your yeah, idea, yeah. So that's for something that I've always been strong about:
1: was driving. Yeah. yeah. So then we moved to Sydney, and then I started to work with a salon chain. Um, From there on, I was there for about three years. Uh, I had three children by then. And then I decided to open up my own salon. So once again, I bought a little tiny rundown salon. And I think that was about $10,000. There was one girl working for me there. I think in one year, we had 10 staff. And from that 10 staff, I opened a second salon. And then we ended up with about 20 staff in, I think, about two and a half years.
0: Oh, wow. And then
1: um, I had a third salon and I decided that having multiple salons was really tough for me to manage. Um, so I opened up a massive big salon. It took something like about eight months to build because it was an old supermarket. Oh, cool. And we fitted it out and I can honestly say that we had something like 46 staff used to come to work there on a weekly basis. Um, So we had, it was, you know, the height of, you know, it had everything you could possibly imagine. I think the key to the success of that salon is that we had childcare. So we offered free Mm. childcare facility and we had a purpose-built childcare facility within the actual salon itself.
0: Oh my God. Because
1: it was such a large salon, we had the space to do that. Yeah. And we employed two full time carers. And what that did was it brought mums into the salon and the children could be cared for while they're having their hair done. Yeah. So a lot of mums come to the salon. They just love their children being cared for. Yeah. A lot of staff that went off to have their babies I brought their babies back that. for yeah. childcare. So they got free childcare. Some of those mums had three children by the time they finally left me, yeah. um, but they'd use that childcare all the way through. Oh so gosh, I thought that, that was pretty unique, um, and it was a very unique way of attracting clients to the business because of you know being able to offer free childcare facilities for yeah. those those mums, you know. But, yeah, it was pretty innovative at the time. I won a lot of business awards for that, um, including Hair Expo Business Awards and marketing awards and things like that. But sort of towards the end of that hype, I started to do a lot more education. Okay. And I thought I'd achieved my goals in business as far as, you know, I'd learned hard and fast. I didn't know how to run a business. I know how to grow a business. I know how to train great staff. Some of my staff have gone on to be absolute experts in so many different arenas, um, you know, working for Vidal Sassoon, working for Tony mm-hmm. and Guy in the, in the UK, you know, working on film, television, you know, they've gone on to do amazing things, being really successful salon owners as well. You know, I'm so proud to see where their training has led them but then I started to realise I thought I had a calling as a trainer. I uh, first started with Swashkop as one of their um, artists. I went on to Goldwall to be another artist with them. But um, towards the end with the Goldwall time, I wanted to really um, direct my own education. And, you know, working for a company is one thing, but if you have a goal to be bigger than that company, that company's not going to drive you. They're going yeah. to use you the way they need to use you and care for you and look after you but if you want to promote yourself to be something bigger and better then you've just got to do it yourself mm-hmm. um, and I realized down the track that no company was going to take me to the heights that I had a vision that I wanted to be you know I wanted to be the best educator with long hair yeah and I really think I have pretty much achieved that you know <laughs> <say> um, so <laughs> yeah you know I think I have and I think the minute we step outside and not think that a company owes us anything, we a company will never drive you personally to be successful. They yeah. will be using your successes or using your skills to drive their own, but not you.
0: Because you're um, promoting so, their brand every time yeah. you're on stage. You're saying,
1: "I'm Sharon on behalf of Goldwell," or yeah, well, and you know what? And I be. still want to be Sharon on behalf of Goldwell, although uh, you know they don't pay me a cent to open my mouth. Um, And I don't want that. I don't want to be paid to be an ambassador for anybody other than myself. Mm. And, you know, where people are being paid to be ambassadors, you know, we've got a nice little following on Instagram. A lot of people would like to have, you know, I think we're nearly close to 130,000, but that's never been one paid advertisement on that site. And we've never paid people to like our site. It's been an absolute natural growth and a, a natural attrition as well. So, you know, I'm proud of what we've done. I think the day I made it big was when I launched my first book. It's quite remarkable. You don't realize what triggers people, but, you know, a lot of people didn't even know who you were until, you know, you now have a book. Wow. And what that what first is your book, book about? What did you, when Oh, did you I actually that? have written five now. I've got, I'm what? responsible for five books. So you don't even know about my books. No. All the books yeah, so I started writing long hair how to books. Um, oh. many, many, many years ago now. So they're all hard copy books that I was I, thinking a memoir I, book. That's it'll be the no, next no, no, biography. <laughs> no, that'll come in one that'll come somewhere along the line. That's bound to happen somewhere, but not not in the near future. Okay. But no, the long hair styling books, you know, and then they you take colleges, took them on and You know, training uh, colleges use those books as a foundation for teaching. And then I went into doing videos. Um, You know, I've gone on to do the uh, books and video production for Pivot Point International in Chicago. Uh, You know, so I've done a lot of stuff uh, like that. And I think that's where I pretty much launched my international recognition as an educator, just through those type of channels. So, yeah, it's been a journey no but kidding. it's a journey that I've loved. And, you know, there's been the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs, but you've just got to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and, yeah. you know, keep smiling, really. What
0: drew you to the long hair when you said your ambition was to be this long hair educator? Was it doing that lady's hair in the, you know, the first oh, day, not a, not like all, doing sets like that? Like what, what? really quite
1: it? different. I loved I loved education and at the time I made the call to do this I knew I was really good with long hair but I was also extremely good at cutting mm. and I' I've had in I have invested thousands of dollars training at sassoons in uh, the US and in the uk and and a lot of training so I was very I, a very strong cutter and I could have gone down the cutting platform but then I realized you know what nobody's dressing long hair, nobody's teaching long hair. If I choose to be a educator that teaches cutting, I'm going to be up fighting for, I'm going to be battling for positions with Dario and Tony and Guy yeah. and all these great people. And I thought, you know what, I want to be unique. I want to be on my own. I don't want to have to fight for positions with all yeah. these people. Just get out there and teach long hair and teach it well. And then, you know, I realized that a lot of people are not taught well. And some of the people that I've had in my class over the years are astounding, astounding people, people of such, uh, you know, high status in our industry, but lack that skill of how to really know how to dress hair well. The foundation. so. Yeah, so I realised that, you know, I was actually planning um, my next lot of education for the year and I was in at a conference in Fiji and I was sitting outside and I was thinking, you know, how can I get people to learn better? And I thought, you know what, if I could have someone for five days and all they did for five days was do hair and we start from the most basic skill and work to the most complicated skill, I reckon I could turn their life around. I could make them really, really good. And that's when I started to think about doing this boot camp. Wow. So boot camp now I think is probably, I would have to say, close to 60 boot camps I have done around the world. Wow. It's changed from its original model. It's changed from one week or five days to four. The same number of t- hours haven't changed. They've just increased over the four days because I found it in the US. Because people work behind the chair, they really need get to get back to their salons on a Friday and Saturday because mm-hmm. they're self funding themselves and they have to earn a living. Because so I basically
0: just more so than over here. You're saying like, it. Because they're on commissions over there as opposed to having holiday pay and
1: things like we do in Australia. Yeah, I mean, here in Australia, most of the bosses sent someone or, yeah, yeah, it was a lot easier for them to do five days. But over there, it's not so easy. So boot camp has changed remarkably that structure because of the U.S. market. Mm. And I've got to say that U.S. market, if I was to turn around tomorrow and I could get on a plane and I'll offer a boot camp, you know i have i had to cut boot camp off at certain numbers because we just had such a massive response for it over there and here yeah. in australia originally the same not probably as much these days and also i think probably not much as because i'm doing so much more on my pages i've got more video content and i have boot camp online as well so yeah. that same content I decided look a few years ago a lot of people may or may not know I had a really severe accident and um, I was run over and um, I got a really great payout and I thought how am I going to what am I going to do with this payout what am I going to do am I going to pay my mortgage out or am I going to pay it forward for the future so yes I did do that with my mortgage but I also decided to invest in video content and I decided to make boot camp an online product because I realised as my age got on and my ability to be able to offer this as far as I would like it to go, that it was never going to be possible to travel everywhere to teach that hands-on to everybody that may want to attend. So I uh, set up a filming session in New York and I went in there and we filmed for five, maybe six days consecutively and I put that all in video content. So wow. exactly what I teach in the class, I put into video. Yeah, And those videos are amazing. And people around the world now sign up for the online class. So I feel like I've left a legacy. When I walked out of that studio for the last time on that last video, I felt like someone had taken like a ton of bricks off my shoulders. I feel so free that what was in my head is now only, only in my head yeah was now documented as a pay forward for the future generations I felt like I just yeah it was just such a great thing to be able to have available a for relief probably that now forward. you
0: can focus on something else like okay yeah that, that's your creative juices could maybe get flowing again because you've had yeah, this release you know,
1: they, of all of they totally have and- you know, I'm so oh, thrilled. <laughs> I'm so thrilled. And, and I said to Julie Hagney, who was with me at the time, I said, you know, a bus could now knock me over and I've been able to leave what's in my head behind, yeah. whereas up until that moment it was all in my head. And I, and wow. until I handed it out to everybody, in those classes, they were the only people having the opportunity to get that. Yeah. Now any, everybody can get that.
0: Oh my and then it's
1: sort of, it has freed me up because, you know, you know, when we come, move forward to COVID, oh my God, you know, you could take well, COVID you as big times doing this online education, like, you know, that's what, Well, you know, I never had COVID. to worry when everybody was all of a sudden locked down. You I had the biggest up, uptake of education because we had built the platform ourselves. We'd, all we had to do, it, it was already there to buy. All we had to do was let everybody know it was there and people just jumping onto that daily. Did your sales that's go what, up during COVID? Oh, remarkably, Yeah, remarkably. And, you know, people were so grateful to be able to do that. And, you know, the feedback from that has just been phenomenal. Wow. But now, you know, what do we do now? Like um, I'm grounded. I flew in from New York. Well, actually from Salt Lake City, We had we were ready to do a class on the Monday and my travel agent overnight on the Saturday night said to me, Sharon, uh, here's your ticket. It's the last ticket out. I can get you on a flight out of America. And they're about to shut the borders here in Australia. You need to get onto that flight now or I don't know if I can get you home. Mm -hmm. And I could imagine I would be one of those stranded people probably still trying to get out of America. Anyhow, so, yes, we had to, we were all set up for the class. Everything was unpacked. It was all, we, we left. We had wow. to leave. And so the there class. lays yeah. the problem. And it was not only that class, it was many, many classes. We were only halfway through our journey. On so, you tour, know, it would have been, been on like a, a um, like a, singing was on a tour. tour, you know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was doing Groundhog Day for five weeks uh, <sighs> consecutively around. And we're only halfway through that. So that was so sad and so difficult for us because, you know, we've tried to appease our students. We've given them some money back with the hope of returning. We're now currently working on how that return is going to be. And I'm so happy that we're going to be able to have our first return class to New York in October. But it's going to be slightly different. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I thought we've got to make this work. How do you change something? How do you fix it? And it was interesting listening to Trevor Sorby on um, the hair um, journal, journal last night. Last night. Yeah. And he was asked a question like, what advice would you have for people today that are in the situation that we're all currently in? And he said, one of the things that he thinks about is the world will never be the same as we knew it. Mm. And the, middle, the minute we accept that, then that's actually cathartic. Yeah. And what we have to do is, is look at what we were doing and work out how we can do it differently. And that's what I've been on for the last 18 months. While we've been I, locked down, I virtually haven't really left home. Yeah. I've really pretty much considered myself in lockdown for 18 months. But the journeys we've been working on, the way we're going to move things forward in a different way has been so exhilarating, so exciting, so expensive because <laughs> nothing's actually over the goal line yet. Yeah, But in saying that, I've thought about how things are done differently now moving forward and how I can still do my job as an educator, inspiring the industry um, in a different way. Well, it's
0: probably, I think, something from my conversations with you and I've been fortunate. We've been having some conversations throughout the year and one thing that stuck out to me, you know, among many is the fact that you were translating your educations into all these different languages, which I think is so cool for you to tell. And then the other thing that I think what made you in COVID have to change was the latest collection that you did. Yes. The animation. So maybe those two um, things wouldn't have happened had COVID. So do
1: you want to go through those? So, yes. So we, I would say, we're about two weeks out to make the big announcement on the website. And do you know what it's, oh, taken it's a secret? Good? Sorry, did I just let the No, cannon no, no. Cannon it's a cannon great, cannon. it's a great secret to for everyone to know. So we're moving, we're transitioning to a big international platform. And let me tell you how challenging this has been. One person has sat on a computer, and the last time I heard they'd been there for 10 and a half weeks, and they were still at it. And they were typing in a text box every word that I was saying under every video that I've ever produced. So there's captions under it. So those captions, then the minute you look at the captions, can now translate over to every language. But we have also translated the first lot into Arabic. So people will be able to go on there and immediately they'll go to Arabic. But by doing the captions, what it means now moving forward for Spanish, Italian, German, whichever country you're talking about, because the captions are now done, the translations are so much simpler. Yeah. So it's not a voiceover, it's that there's captions in the language. We will be able to make two choices. We'll be able to do captions, but as the money rolls in, we'll be able to do voice as well. I get but you. for the Arabic market, yeah. um, it will be voice and captions. But, original, but initially it will be um, the caption translation. And once we start putting some, getting some money back, we will reinvest into the voice translates as well. So, you know, it's a pretty exciting thing. And totally. do you realise I have 300 videos? of step-by-step. So you're doing all of them. It's not like
0: you're just translating the boot camp and just the one. You're literally
1: doing your whole video library. Every single thing we've ever done is yeah had had to be done in the caption form. So that's one thing. And then the other thing was, yeah, the uh, collection that I created for um, the Hair Fashion Awards. You know, I said to Linda when she took over the Hair Expo Awards, I said, oh, well, I'll enter the avant-garde. And so I did. But then when I got to that avant-garde competition, I realised, oh, my God, you know, like I really can't afford to do this because at the end of the day it's there's no change out of ten, and that's doing it on an absolute shoestring. Yeah. But my general spend on a collection would be more around the 15000
0: Wow. But
1: I still am a person that, that follows through. So if I say I'll do something, no matter what, I'll make it happen. Yeah. So, luck for me was uh, finding this amazing guy in Melbourne, and his name was given to me by a stylist who I reached out to and said, I'm looking for someone who's great with graphics because I'm thinking of this idea, but I'll need a graphic designer um, for my project. And uh, she said, Why don't you talk to this guy who is an absolute wizard of computer animation and design? And I was shown uh, Oscar, I was introduced to Oscar Keane and oscar does uh, amazing designs in plastic clothing or you know vinyl designs and then he animates them into avatars and these people are like avatars walking around in his fashion and i had a chat with him and i said this is what i'm trying to do so i'm thinking that i can't even afford a model a makeup artist or a stylist if you, I would like to try and make a hairstyle match some of your clothing. Yeah. So he decided that he would go and actually design a few more items of clothing. So he gave me what he had designed. And so then I looked at the, the hair around the um Yeah, so I saw than... what, what the avatar looked like. And then I tried to work the hair to fit with each item of fashion. So on the day of the shoot, all I needed to shoot this was one photographer for around two and a half hours, no models, nothing. I hired plastic uh, shot mannequin heads for $80 for the month. Wow. I took all my pieces of hair in and we stuck them on these white plastic mannequins. We shot them um, behind a green screen. We sent him the pictures and then he put the heads onto the clothing and turn them into the avatars. Oh, wow. So I think, you know, I could say it was around 2200 at the most for because him and for my photographer and everything. Each
0: model's cost, the makeup artist all, and the photographer. Like, I've been on a shoot with you before that, you know, a two-hour photo shoot is very unheard
1: of. So that's like, you know, just I like know elf goes We to had show. We had to work so hard. And one of the biggest challenges was these shiny plastic heads, they don't stick anything, it's not sticking well to them. So I ended up, I I went in there armed with various glues and various things, but I knew I had to return them so I couldn't damage them in any way. So I ended up taking Velcro dots and sticking the Velcro dots on the head, then sticking the hair onto the Velcro dots. And as we walked along, they were slipping and they weren't holding on. So, you know, we were sticking the back on and say, quick, like, we'll take a photo now. So that's how hard it was to even hold those that those hair pieces together. So I worked for about three weeks on those hair pieces at wow. home. I love the challenge. Yeah. I'd love to go back and do it again with a different set of eyes because I knew I had a time frame and a challenge. Mm. I think I would have done it a little bit differently, if but I would like to time. try that again. And in fact, I probably might at some stage reach out to Oscar and say um, I've shot a few more, pop them on some hair just for a bit of pop this hair on them for a bit of fun. But you know, it just shows how you can, you know, uh, cope with any challenge. You know, you've got to be able to think outside the square. Well, I don't may- think we'll be lucky enough next year to get away with not using real models. But for this time, I got away with it, and I'm really proud. Um, magazines have reached out and said we'd love to feature your work we love what you did a top hair in Germany just only this week said can we have your pictures I judged that competition I just love what you did we want to feature you in top hair in Germany so you know there's always you know it's great and it just I think the one thing for me it did was not only promised yes I will put in a I will actually do a collection for your awards I promised you that I would do that it also, the reason behind anything I do at the moment is to constantly keep my eyes in myself in front of the industry mm-hmm. because, you know, at the other, it was only in May and I, I'm, I'm quite proud to say I had my 70th birthday. Oh, wow. I know. It's bloody ridiculous. So you and, did end you know, up being
0: able to have it. I remember you saying I about the, the, biggest in the up venue party in that Because back. it was
1: absolutely exactly the it. right timing for my party. We could dance, we could sing. We didn't have masks. We just had a massive that celebration. I wanted to celebrate the fact that yes, you know, 70, I'm proud of. I'm not gonna go and shoot up <laughs> Botox anymore or do anything other than be proud of the fact that I've made 70. But what I wanted to do is still be able to have people realize no matter what age you are, you can still inspire your industry. Wow. And I think that's the message I want to get out there for everybody, that age is not is just a number, but it's being able to continue to inspire and to think a magazine reaches out and says, I want to post your photos, you know, that's, that's what inspiration's all about. And day-to-day basis, think. you know, I've got my dolls all in my lounge room here at the moment. <laughs> And I'm working on some new hairstyles at the moment because I'm thinking, now, what else can I do? I, this is a great idea. Let me see if I can work something. And I've got Shoot Day's booked for video production to come up because I want to continue to keep that inspiration going. I want people to realise just because she's 70 doesn't mean to say she's Miss mark She's not on trend. She's old hat. If I get to that stage or I have a comment like that, I think I would just die now. <coughs> and I fight that. I fight that every day of the week because I really want to be seen as inspirational and that I am showing people that this industry gives you longevity yeah. no matter what. But you have to keep being inspired or inspiring. Totally. Well, one of the questions I had written down, a lot of times I don't use the questions.
0: I write them in case there's like a lack of conversation or something. And I didn't think that that would happen. But one of the things I wrote down was how, how are you going to, how are you staying relevant? How are you trying to stay relevant for people who are like, oh my gosh, Sharon, she's been doing the same hair for, you know, 70 years. But I think these are exactly the points that I had in my head being like, you know, I, I saw that collection and thought, oh my God, if anybody does doing that I think it would be the most unexpected coming out of you having these well that was
1: about, the to me as well is to do something that they would look at that and if my name wasn't underneath it would never have put it to me yeah and I think that's what I'm trying to do all the time that you know you're raising the bar for yourself so you know that's what we have to do we have to keep lifting the bar instead of just saying oh i'm i'm done with this industry it's boring there's nothing you know we're in a, a, a you know we're locked in to some sort of time warp or whatever you want to call it <laughs> yeah. it's you raising the bar for yourself yeah. personally yeah it's not and and for me it's raising the bar for me to have people realize that if they keep going they can be you know they can have a wonderful life within our industry. Totally. This industry has afforded me the most amazing things. But you know, how do you keep going? It's just like I think lockdown has been great for me on one level, and it's not so great with my time on the internet. Yeah. But you know, being able to every week do an online class, and I've done that every single week, at least wow. one, if not more. Yes. So I'm all I am constantly learning, and Trevor Sorby said. It's not what you know that's important. Is what you don't know mm. is what you need to know. Yeah. And, and I think that was profound for me last night is what you know is not important because you already know it. Yeah. It's what you don't know is what you need to know. Totally. And so, you know, and challenging yourself to know what you don't know, I think is wonderful. Let me tell you, last week, last week, I got invited to do the lead actress in a movie. Oh, my gosh. And I've never done movie work. I've done a little bit of um, some wig-making for a movie, but I wouldn't say that's rated high on my list of achievements. But what I did last week was a girl who's uh, in a movie called Red Shoes and she's a ballerina. And they needed a particular look that she could dance all day and it never moved and they reached out for me to be the guest artist for that movie because they knew I could do that here. Now, if I didn't have all those past skills and everything I've worked so hard to perfect and achieve, yeah. I couldn't have got that girl's hair to dance. And what she, when she warmed up for the, on the first day, and this was three days in a row I did this, I thought, oh my God, no one told me she was gonna be doing that. Oh, but like that it. hair that hair never missed a beat and I've got to tell you for one week leading into that my I thought of nothing more than how I could make that hair last wow. I didn't go there and pray on the day yeah I got my doll out I practiced I sewed it I put braids I did this I did that Oh my god my All hair was your just foundation
0: s- skills that you working team.
1: on calling on every foundation skill that I'd ever taught or thought about what came in to make that all happen was just phenomenal. And you know, the one of the head, the head of the department was looking at me saying, oh my God, wow, you know, and I, I said I've really called on every single thing that I know to make this work. And it worked. It absolutely worked. And so that to me was wow, you know, So you're never too old. And I think when some people disregard, oh, I know it all or, oh, I've got this, then you need to actually go and learn a bit more because, you know- How could you ever know everything?
0: How could could anybody ever know anything? There's
1: always something that someone could teach me, whether it's even a podcast listening to someone, whether it's just watching someone do something and holding the hair in a different way that you think, oh, wow that's a different way to do that. Yeah. Um. You know, it's just, it's wonderful, you know, and, even, and that's what keeps you invigorated and going.
0: Yeah. You saying last night, listening to that conversation on the journal and listening, listening to Trevor talk, like, you know, that's a conversation that only happened last night that you've said was a profound moment. And that's just from listening to someone speaking on Instagram. Like there's, there's yes. no end to the amount of knowledge that you can learn in any way whether it's five minutes popping on a live or you know we all are scrolling all day the the advantages that you can be learning in those moments as well
1: exactly exactly yeah. so we just never miss an opportunity incredible never miss an opportunity
0: I'm gonna look down. I'm not ignoring you. I'm looking at my questions to be like, where where am I at? Is there
1: have I finished them all yet? This is Oh my gosh. I
0: don't think I could you could ever finish them all. I would never get enough, but Um, yeah being relevant was something I definitely wanted to go over was there a pivotal moment in your career when when was it that you went from being Sharon working in the country salon into what made you start getting your name and you know everybody I don't know anybody who wouldn't know who you are now when when did that change for you or was there a moment that you were like you know what I'm pretty humbled
1: about all of that Crystal I yeah I actually find it all a bit bit weird because you know i know everybody does this you're amazing business i don't <laughs> think, you know i i am i actually laugh at all of that i think it's a bit bit crazy um you know i i just do what i do and love what i do yeah and i guess i've got a fairly good grasp of how to teach somebody to do something and that's taken a bit of a journey as well um But, you know, at the end of the day, I think the day I turned 50 was a very much a pivotal time in my life. You know, I wasn't prepared to be a grandma at 50 and I wasn't prepared to be 50 either. Okay. And I was at that point with my own salon that I wasn't sure whether I wanted to be a salon owner either. So I headed off thinking, you know, I think I'm going to give this away and um, because I'm 50, I'm old in this industry and I didn't at that time feel there was a huge respect for older hairdressers. Yeah, And I also thought I'd had achieved pretty much I could, what I could possibly achieve. You know, I was very much engrossed in competition hairdressing. And that's that on the floor competition hairdressing. And I'd won nice. pretty much everything you could possibly imagine. And I wasn't sort of, I was thinking really, you know, this, I'm pretty much reached the end of what I can do. Mm. And I looked at, uh, going down different paths of, you know, would I open shop? Would I do, be a florist because i trained in floristry? You know, what else would I do? And then I thought about it and I, I was at that stage also doing a few of the Anthony Robbins courses. And one of the things in the Anthony Robbins courses that resonated for me was you have to do what you love. Mm. And in that journey of exploring what else would I do, it still kept coming back to me you have to do what you love and i realized there was nothing in all the exploring that i loved more than still being a hairdresser <laughs> i love that so i thought okay if you do what you love then you've got to be at this age because that i felt there wasn't a lot of respect for older hairdressers then you're going to have to be pretty damn good if you stay in this industry
0: yeah
1: so you're going to have to continue to prove yourself more than you ever have to stay relevant stay strong stay powerful and be great at it and it was then I started to do photographic work and that's when, when I started doing things when you started doing yeah the, when I first started to do my first collection when people, for
0: hair expo they would think you know you have this this glimpse the highlight reel you know everybody says on instagram and things that that you're scrolling for that time and that's what they see and that's what to them in that moment you're known for but not realizing that that wow I would have yeah. thought
1: that that was something that you'd been doing forever. no so I w- I did my first hair collection at in my 50s early 50s. oh my god and and beat this I was a finalist for my very first collection for of hair Expo you were. hairdresser of the year. I never won and that year, a girl called Sharon Ma, a beautiful Irish girl with red curly hair who was the toast of the town, the most respected, idolised hairdresser in our industry at that time, won it. And when they said Sharon, I thought it was me, (gasps) but it was her. Yeah. And then I walked away from thinking, well, how do you ever expect to be as good as Sharon Ma? And sadly enough, um, it wasn't that long after Sharon Ma passed away of cancer at a very young age. I think she was, if she was in her forties, she was only just. Oh, wow. And, you know, I remember going to her funeral and, you know, she had orchestrated her whole funeral and it was just the most incredible funeral you could ever go to. And I, (laughs) And, you know, anyone in my age group or in that vintage will talk nothing like other than the most respected hairdresser for her time and well ahead of her time. And so I was happy to concede defeat to Sharon Ma in that one. And I went on to be a finalist seven times as hairdresser of the year, but funnily enough, never won it. Wow. But you've been inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Hair Expo Hall of Fame, right? Twice, yeah.
0: So how does that happen? If you haven't won, you would think that it would go. You'd win the Hairdresser of the Year, and then you'd get into the Hall of Fame. What does no? Well, Fame Sharon represent? Ma was
1: She was also inducted into the Hall of Fame, and sadly enough, the year she was inducted, she was uh, too ill to come, oh. and her partner uh, came in, and we, you know, it was a very emotional night. It was of so course. sad, and it wasn't that long past that time that she did die. Um, But I was respected and awarded at that time for my business acumen Mm. um, as a, as a successful business owner. I think also I was, you know, I was training so many hairdressers at that period in my life, you know, in January, I would take on at least five apprentices all in January. Wow. For your salon. And then I midterm, I would take more on. So I always had a lot and a lot of apprentices, you know, I think at one stage I could, I could comfortably say I had 17 apprentices as I was training. And I had people, I had a training room within my salon and over and above what they were learning at TAFE because TAFE were doing the training in their, in their colleges. We were doing our own training and I had trainers within my team that did one-on-one training with all those kids Wow. week in and week out. So we had a roster for training with those kids where well, they yeah. came off the floor for a whole day and trained yeah. with the trainers. Like an in-house So we academy. trained some, yeah. So, you know, we had our own academy. I was doing a lot of training out there. And I think I just earned that right at that period of time because I was earning a massive respect. All those kids were going on winning competitions. They were, you know, we were salon team of the year. We were just, you know, really loud and proud. Uh, salon team and that was called the art of hair in those days Um, and you know we had massive 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 respect from the industry and those kids went on to be incredible hairdressers and they all look back to me even at this moment in time and say you were one of the toughest bosses but you were the fairest boss and you taught us how to be great hairdressers and you know that makes me really proud and then that second one I got and how lucky was I to get the very last hair expo um hall of fame award which wow. was given out in 2019 there'll I be no there. more of those anymore because it's I remember so all your family happening. coming on stage well see I never knew I was getting that and I would yeah. never have thought they would give it to someone the second time yeah but they believe the second time which was you know nearly 20 years difference was because wow. of um actually it was more than 20 years was more than twenty years difference, yeah. It was probably more to like twenty. I didn't realize the awards were around for that long, like because I, I didn't grow yeah. up here and you know. No I think other- even thirty five years. I think they've been going on. Oh I think I might be thirty five years. But anyhow, yeah. So it was probably I was about twenty five years ago. I got it. I got it again for the way I have inspired the industry in a worldwide a worldwide um, for my education basically. So everything I've done from an educator around the world so that's why I got it the second time and yeah and I didn't know about it um, my family showed up on stage I wished I had I known I would have done my daughter's hair and cut them and styled my grandsons <laughs> What are you say because your grandsons I think it was came on or everybody
0: was there in their casual clothes and their, their hair I remember you saying that <laughs> would
1: have done everybody's (laughs) hair the week of yeah I I mean I think they lined up the week later for their annual annual haircuts (laughs) (laughs) but Uh, what a proud moment it was for me yeah to have my family there because you know although my family I know are incredibly proud of me they don't really live in my world yeah they are like pretty remote I mean no one knows my family I'm not like a I don't post that much about my family. I do maybe on my private page just a little. But oh, my yeah. family are my personal people yeah. that I hold dear to me. And they, yeah. they don't want to be, you know, what's my daughter doing for what's she eating or I'm giving her a haircut. Yeah. They don't want to know that, you know. <laughs> I and think and really, the thing I of- think what I try to do with my Instagram and my social media is really just inspirational. Yeah. You know, not what I'm eating for dinner or what I'm cooking.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that's the thing about being kind of like a a hair industry celebrity, because like you are you go into a hair show, you know, the people coming up would be wanting photos and autographs and our people around us that's like absurd you know like they don't realize that it is this thing like you are a celebrity but within a community and i think that that would be the best way to be it because if you were say a kardashian or whoever you can't go to the grocery store and you can't go on holiday and your family gets engulfed in that but for us or for you not me but you know
1: you get the best of both worlds because you kind of Well exactly that. but you know what's really you can have a normal life as well to, when i walk outside this industry no yeah. one knows who the hell I am. Yeah, which is so a shocker, walk- but it's true. You- so I can walk to the local IGA in my tracksuit without my makeup on and my roots showing, and they'll just see me as just one of the locals walking around. It's yeah. actually nice. I love, I love the way the industry have embraced me. I love the the way they uh, respect me. I love the way they and and I try really to be. Not I, I try so hard not to be a show for them. I want to be just a person with them. Like mm-hmm. you know, at the, uh, at the after party for the awards we just recently had, you know, I was sitting there with a glass of water and I was chatting to some young apprentices talking about the industry, and they were so awestruck that I just sat next to them and You know, I them. needed to sit down. My feet were hurting, <laughs> and there was a there was so a seat wide enough. Any further. That, we had this skinny little, gorgeous, skinny little girl next to me with not much on and looking fabulous. I said, shift over. I need to sit down. And she was like, oh, like, and, I'm, and I'm just having this biggest chat. And then their boss came over and then I said, oh, well, I'm going to head off now, guys. Have a great night. And then she ran after me. She said, the girls were so overwhelmed. She said, they wanted to have a picture with you, but they didn't oh, know how to ask. Can you come back? And I said, oh, my God, let's do a picture and let's have a bit of fun. And, you know, like, I just want to be just be like them. You know, I yeah. am like them. I'm no different of to course. them. I've just been there long enough and got a few extra brownie points. I've got earned some stripes, you know, and they too will yeah, earn those right, stripes yeah. as they move through the their time in this industry.
0: Oh, my God. What a wonderful story. oh I could talk to you forever. I don't think there's that you know it would ever be enough. Like I just love having this and I feel very grateful to have a platform that I get to record these and document these and something that I did throughout my life besides this was I I've done this with my grandparents my whole life you know that is fantastic. To look back on I just feel privileged to have all this like you know on a recording and pick your brain and
1: and you know what I think's really fabulous me doing this for you. Yeah that as we move forward and you know when i do leave this world for a better world hopefully my grandkids and my great grandkids yeah will still be able to find little treasures like this oh. when they explore me and they will get to know me yeah before i was probably dribbling in a nursing home <laughs> you'll never um, get to that point this this is all like history in the making for them as well 100 percent. and that's one thing I always miss that I never well technology wasn't even necessarily there for us but you know I, I used to love sitting with my mom and talking to her but that many years ago you know uh, a smartphone wasn't there to sit down you and, record and listen to while her. you were
0: having those heart to heart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah. my, my, my family, the legacy that I leave chatting to people like you about what happened for me yeah. and where, and my, my past with my career, you know, that'll be something they'll be able to always open up and listen and see me. And I think that's, that's really cool. Isn't it?
0: Me too. Well, I guess, I mean, there's so many more things I could say, but on the, on the kind of final note of you saying, when you're done do you think you will be will you retire like when when will it stop I think when I stop loving what I do yeah so you genuinely wake up because I know your your life is so encompassed in this and you know you have your husband there and he's he's involved but like yeah you still wake up feeling that way like you love it and you want to be doing all that practice I think COVID
1: COVID um it's just caused you, it just causes you to think deeper than what you ever think. Yeah. I think because it stops, we've been a, we've been made to stop so much in the last 18 months, reflecting, thinking, planning. And you know, um, you know, I think it's done a lot of deep thinking. And you know, there are moments in time where I think, oh my God, is this gonna be the end for me? But or is you know, this a I sign think, that it should be maybe? Is there, like- is there a sign? But you know, there hasn't been a sign. I mean, I think the day that um, the hair colleges agree that what I have created for the craft, which is all the units that my team have developed for over 18 months of um, being an alternative to the units that students are currently learning in colleges until they embrace and say, yeah, we want your units. We're going to teach your education to our kids moving forward. I think my goal in my life will have been achieved. Wow. But that hasn't happened yet. But what we've developed is absolutely phenomenal. And as you know, I've discussed, I have an agreement with Sassoon's. So, you know, their units are there available. When I can see an uptake of the craft and students learning a new way, I think I really would have kicked that final goal.
0: Mm.
1: Um, But not at the moment. Yeah. Not at the moment incredible yeah I'll keep hassling till that happens <laughs> well I'm here for it I I don't think we could ever get enough Sharon Blaine so well it's so nice chatting with you and you know from the thank moment you. that I met you I'd say through Candy in Melbourne it was yes. wasn't it originally yep. um your boss at the time you know I uh I just warm to you
0: you've mm, got a great
1: you. heart you've got a great passion and I know you Crystal will go on to be you know, and have already created some great, kick some great goals And I think you'll continue to kick goals. And, you know, we need people like you in our industry that have the passion and the drive and the determination. you me cry. <laughs> yeah, no, we do need that. And it's, you know, you Thank learning you. from us and then paying it forward to the next generation. That's what keeps us strong and alive and being, you know, who we are.
0: Yeah, uh, you got me all. All water worked up. <laughs> thank oh, you. I yes, I appreciate sure. you saying that and and seeing <laughs> what I'm trying to do because I really am trying to make the most out of a crummy situation. You know, I'm homesick. I want to be home with my family and my friends. So I really appreciate you noticing what I'm trying to do and making the most of
1: that. <laughs> and you go, girl, and just keep going. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. Well, thank you. Know, always, you know, there's a big shoulder to cry on. Oh. You know, I keep a your surrogate grandma. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk Wait, again soon. Huh? out of the drawer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the best! Thank you for your time, and I'm so excited for this episode to come out. It's going to be so so informative.
1: Thank you, my love. You take care. Love it. Have a great day. Okay. You too.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.